0: This is Commerce Code, a Friday morning digital commerce podcast for leaders in retail, technology, banking, payments, financial data, and cutting edge marketing. I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance. We'll start with this week's news in digital commerce.
1: The markets were steady this week for retail, financial services, and fintech stocks until disappointing earnings reports from JP Morgan Chase and Morgan Stanley sent stocks in a general slide on Thursday. JP Morgan Chase shares dropped over 4% on news that it was setting aside significant reserves in expectation of loan losses. Morgan Stanley shares slipped 1.6% after its profit slumped 29% in the second quarter. Both banks missed analysts' forecasted earnings per share. Bitcoin continued to trade around the $20,000 mark. In a surprise move, on Wednesday, the Bank of Canada raised its benchmark borrowing rate 100 basis points. A 75 basis point rise was expected. The move adds fuel to speculation that the U.S. Fed could make a 100 basis point move at its next meeting. Currently, a 75 basis point rise is generally expected. The next federal Open Markets Committee meeting is slated for July 27th. The Labor Department on Wednesday released new consumer price index data showing 9.1% year-over-year inflation, a rate not seen since the early 1980s. The White House released a statement arguing that the high rate of inflation did not reflect reduced gas prices, but experts in markets were unconvinced. This rate of inflation, especially if combined with other strong economic performance numbers, could lead the Fed to pursue an even more aggressive campaign against inflation, at the risk of inducing a sharper economic slowdown. In this edition of Commerce Code, using digital tools to make home improvement better, a conversation with Danielle Putnam of The New Flat Rate. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by VantageScore. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use VantageScore to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. Amazon captured 8.8% in gross U.S. retail spending compared to Walmart's 8.2% in the second quarter of 2022, payments reported in a new study. Tuesday and Wednesday of this week were Amazon's annual Prime Day promotion. On Thursday, the company claimed that 300 million items were sold worldwide at a rate of 60,000 sales per minute domestically and 100,000 per minute outside the U.S. Amazon has 200 million Prime members globally. An analysis by layoff.fyi, as reported by TechCrunch this week, illustrated the strength of fintech in 2021 and its challenges this year. In 2021, fintech startups got 21% of all venture capital funds globally, raising $131.5 billion in nearly 5,000 deals. By contrast, in 2022, fintech was among the sectors with the most employee layoffs, at least as measured by percentage of total employees. 3,709 fintech employees had been laid off by mid-year, and that excluded crypto companies, which had been particularly hard hit. At the same time, as strong consumer demand continues, the resulting inflation has pushed many lower-income households into trouble. An analysis of U.K. households this week reported that increased prices have done more economic damage to lower-income families than COVID-19. A total of 1.6 million more households are struggling than the last time. The study of 6,000 households last reported nine months ago, at which point 2.8 million U.K. households were said to be in serious financial difficulty. That number shot up to 4.4 million due to broad-based inflation. As reported by The Wall Street Journal on Thursday, China is expected to record its weakest growth rate in more than two years as a result of continued pandemic-related lockdowns interfering with the economy. Unemployment remains relatively high, and most economists expect China's economy to shrink in the second quarter for only the second time since 2010. Labor shortages continue to impact every industry, with particularly acute effects for airlines and airports. This week, London's Heathrow Airport told airlines to stop selling tickets over the next two months and introduced a cap of 100,000 daily departing passengers. Prior to the pandemic, Heathrow had served 125,000 passengers. A shortage of security, baggage handling, and airline employees led to the move. Delta Airlines, among the world's largest airlines by passengers carried, reported disappointing results this week and saw a sharp decline in share price. Flyer demand and ticket prices are both still high, but airlines like Delta continue to struggle with labor shortages and labor disputes, flight cancellations, airport passenger caps, and high cost of fuel and other inputs. Today on the show, we will talk about how to improve home improvement, and we'll take a look at homeowner's spending behavior during the pandemic. It's a conversation with Danielle Putnam, president of The New Flat Rate.
0: Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today on Commerce Code. Where are you joining us from?
2: Hey, Dan, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I am joining you from Dalton, Georgia. And if you didn't know it, Dalton is the carpet capital of the world.
0: Am, I'm sitting on, I'm not sitting directly on carpet, <laughs> but I'm on a carpeted floor, I will say. So I don't, it sounds like there's a non-trivial chance that this carpet came from Dalton. Well, look, um, Danielle. You have created a menu pricing system for the skilled trades. I imagine that would include the people who installed my carpet. low these many years ago. <laughs> and so, just to start off, like, what trades, from your perspective, kind of needed that sort of pricing system approach, and and why was that?
2: We created a menu pricing system in 2011 for starting with heating and air conditioning contractors, and then electrical and plumbing because that's the industry we were in. We were a family of contractors. And we saw a need. and so that's where we started home services, residential, but in HVAC, electrical and plumbing.
0: It seems like the goal is to let people who are in the trade. They, they know better than anybody how to do certain kinds of plumbing and electrical, et cetera. It's to allow them to focus on their technical skills and not have to worry about the pricing, the the finance, the some of the sales aspects. From your perspective, what are some of the main things you do to make this work for the skilled trades and to make what you're doing for them really valuable?
2: You know, if you've ever had anybody come into your home and do any kind of a service and repair, and then all of a sudden they either say, damn, that's going to be you know X amount of hours plus the materials, or they might have a flat rate price book and they'll pull it out and they'll say, hey, it's going to be $250. And you either say, no, that's highway robbery. Right now I can Google it or get it on Amazon. Or you say, sure, I'll take it. But that whole scenario, the take it or leave it scenario created a lot of objections and that made it very difficult for the home services industry because these craftsmen want to do what they do best, which is help people and solve your problems. And they don't want to be shoving prices down your throat. So the menu pricing system solves that problem by taking away all the sales pressure off of the technician and putting it in a system, an automated sales system that says, you know, Mr. Customer, here are the options. What should we do? Our system, for example. Dan has five different price points that the customer can choose from. And so then you choose based on your budget. And so then we don't have craftsmen out there in the field that are projecting somebody else's budget on all the different consumers. Instead, it's putting the power back in the hands of the homeowner so they can choose the level of service that they want and they can choose based on their budget what they want to spend.
0: Absolutely. I mean, to me, it feels like it's it's fixing a market on both sides in terms of the quality of information. I mean, markets function well to the extent that they have high quality information. And the scenario you just described, which is universal and we're all accustomed to is a scenario where that information kind of comes late in the process. And it's sort of partial and it's a take it or leave it kind of thing, which can Mm -hmm. result in people just being stuck.
2: It does. They get stuck. Then you have buyer's remorse. And then a spouse comes home or a partner and says, you know, why did you spend that much money today? Well, that was the only option or, you know, whatever. It creates all sorts of negative scenarios. And then you also have the contracting business, the boss back at the office saying, hey, why can't you increase those service tickets? Why can't you bring more money back? And that's pressure that's really trying to turn the tradesmen into salespeople as well. The pressure to get those ticket prices up and that pressure was causing a lot of problems because the technicians won't sell. They don't want to sell. And so that whole problem, it was a cycle, a terrible cycle. So now with the menu, not only are we giving the power back to the homeowner to make the choice that they want to make on the level of service that they want to buy, but we're also allowing the average service tickets and equipment replacement tickets to increase because when given choices, 80% of the time customers buy more.
0: It's so remarkable how many parts of our economy we don't consider we don't really think about the extent to which they're kind of being done the same way that they were done this sounds like an exaggeration but it's actually not a hundred years ago i mean that conversation about well what's this going to cost and well this is what it is and oh well what are the other options i don't really know could easily have happened in 1922. i want to pivot to something that's really pressing in 2022 Having a lot of conversations with executives at companies in the Digital Commerce Alliance about inflation, obviously. This is Mm -hmm. the dominant reality. Intensely inflationary environment right now. And for many of us in our professional lives, we've never experienced that really. And so how does this affect contractors? You've alluded to it in saying, hey, it's hard to run an operation right now because Mm -hmm. their prices are going up. Mm -hmm. And so how does it affect contractors and customers? What have you seen on the inflation front?
2: Dan, this has been difficult. Over the past year and a half, We've had to increase the back end prices for equipment material by 34%. So for example, when a contractor comes out to service something at your home, if they're using the new flat rate, the material and equipment pricing have went up by 34% because they had to because of supply and demand and we've had a ton of supply chain issues in the industry. And so now even if they can get the parts, the prices of those parts and the equipment have gone up so much. So like I said, 34% in the back end. So that has affected everybody and customers are having to spend more money, but we have actually noticed the buying habits have stayed the same as in when given choices, you know, 80% of the time people are still choosing to buy more. You know, It's actually been an excellent economy for I'd like to say majority of contractors over the last couple of years because people have been investing in their homes and they are spending money there
0: you just described at some level, the whole global economy. If you ask people at an opinion level, what they think of the economy, they have a negative opinion. When you look at their behavior, they're still spending. They're still active. They are to a degree active because they're afraid of what it will cost if they wait even longer, right? Mm. Because of inflation. Mm -hmm. They're also on the contracting front. And this would be true maybe with automobile purchases or home purchases. They're saying, well, look, the inventory is so low. If I see a thing, I need to to buy it now.
2: That's right. And that's same with automobiles, same with equipment and stuff, uh, you know. OK, I've got this water heater today. I might not have it tomorrow.
0: So I'm interested in coming back to what you've done with the new flat rate. And I just because I think to, to me, you know, market activity and, and structure and, and kind of just mechanics of markets matters a lot in terms of how we trade with each other. And I'm wondering about loyalty and customer loyalty. Do you have a point of view, I guess, on whether having that transparency of pricing helps with customer loyalty is evident an impact and what are sort of the benefits to customers too of this
2: we have seen in affecting customer loyalty there's no buyers remorse when given choices you know, when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, you can take a look at the shelf and choose from multiple different options of brands and price points for something that you might need. And so with customer loyalty, when we provide choices, they don't need to go and shop a whole bunch of other home service providers to try to get price points. You've just given them, for example, with our menu system, you've just given them five different price points to choose from. And then they don't have the buyer's remorse because they're not backed into a corner. You're not telling them take it or leave it. You have options for them. So it has created a lot of loyalty in that sense. And with the higher options, what we've built in is we're really teaching a higher level of craftsmanship and wow factor, providing time, for the contractors and the technicians to take their time and to not, I mean, of course they want to always do a great job, but to go above and beyond to provide the value for the price point that the customer is choosing. And so we're really starting to eliminate this, let's just get a quick fix, get in there and get out kind of mentality. Instead, wait a minute, the customer chose an option. They just bought my day. Let me take my time and fix everything connected with this area of the system, all the parts and components so that it's working like new again and the customer won't have this inconvenience again. And so that as well has really helped with the loyalty side.
0: I'm assuming that you see people these days choosing the higher level options where maybe You could think well they'll choose the cheaper stuff these days because of economic uncertainty but i think you've already said Mm -hmm. folks are are willing to spend the money is that what you see
2: yeah and that has surprised us you know 80 percent of the time they're going to choose the higher options and that's a lot you know it's easy to project as humans oh you know they might not have money or they don't have a nice car in the driveway and here we project a budget on somebody and everything about that is wrong you know and we do it in, in a lot of industries And we can't judge because you don't know what somebody's budget or priorities are. And so this takes that out of it and consumers are still spending. And 80% of the time they're choosing those higher options because that's where they want to invest their money in right now.
0: I have many more questions I could ask, but Danielle, I think we've covered the essentials and I'm grateful for your time and your insight into how consumers are operating here. Obviously, to learn about what you've done in the market for skilled trades with the new flat rate, but also just some insight into how consumers are behaving right now, which is an essential input for everybody in business, I think, to understand as we move into the next, you know, the second half of this year.
2: Yeah, it's been a privilege. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks, Danielle.
1: Coming right up. Inflation, consumers, and the impact on digital commerce.
0: Every conversation I had with an executive this week had inflation as the backdrop. It was the big news this week formally, of course, as the Bureau of Labor Statistics once again announced inflation that was higher than it seems anyone, or at least anyone official, was expecting The Biden administration instantly released a statement pointing out that gas prices have come down in recent weeks, and the numbers released on Wednesday didn't take that price drop into account. But nobody seems the least bit inclined to count on that explanation to allay inflation concerns. Central banks are going to raise rates aggressively until inflation is under control. Now, the folks who listen to this podcast and the people I spend my time talking to from Monday through Friday are not generally in charge of setting monetary policy they're far more likely to be involved in interacting in some way, eventually sometimes a little removed, with consumers. I want to talk about the overlap between monetary policy and economics on the one hand, which I think tends to dominate the business news in times like this, and how regular humans think and behave, which is what digital commerce is more likely to be about. When it comes to monetary policy and inflation, part of the story is that central bankers are afraid that people will come to assume a certain level of ongoing inflation. And that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's some debate over how real this phenomenon is, but I won't get into that. It's accepted by most economists that if employees expect prices to rise, they'll demand higher wages in response. If landlords expect cost inflation, they'll demand higher rents, and so on. And there are other examples, some of which I've mentioned on Commerce Code before and we've seen lately, and I think they're worth considering when it comes to anticipating consumer behavior in the digital commerce space. One of the things, for example, that contributed to the spike in housing prices was the observation that every month you waited to buy a house, you could add an extra chunk to the cost of buying that house since people expected prices to continue rising. House buyers flooded in and they attacked whatever was available, eager to buy before prices got yet higher. And this, of course, had the effect of making the prices go higher. Cars were the same way. We just did it. We just locked in a car and said, we'll take it. We didn't bother to negotiate on price since they can sell that same vehicle several times over for the sticker price, and the only reason it's selling for sticker is because most manufacturers don't allow their dealerships to sell cars for more than sticker. Basically, because sticker is too low. Here's a point I want to make about both these examples, and an important distinction relative to other spending categories. First, there needs to be a belief in scarcity, and it really is just a belief. It doesn't matter if there's really a shortage of houses or cars as long as enough people think that there is, and the scarcity will be reinforced as people buy with the assumption that there's scarcity. Second, there needs to be urgency. If something's expensive and we don't have to buy it now, we can just wait. So there needs to be a present need or the belief in a present need, like filling your tank with gas is one example. That's not a belief, that's just reality or the belief that it will only get more expensive, so you might as well buy now. That's the housing and the car example. How does this matter in terms of digital commerce? I was talking with a global luxury retailer this week. Their priorities, not surprisingly, included trying to minimize discounting and doing that in part by focusing on customer loyalty. The concern is that going forward, consumers will drop off into cheaper substitutes as inflation hits other parts of the consumer budget. So how might retailers keep customers attached to their products at retail prices? It's going to be a challenge, and of course it depends an awful lot on what they're selling. But here are some thoughts. Scarcity and urgency always matter. They aren't the only things, but they matter. In the luxury space, for example, there's a reason we don't want shelves stacked with row upon row of luxury products. There's a psychology of exclusivity, yeah, but it's also connected to the idea and the reality That there are a limited number of these things in the world as mentioned it doesn't matter if there really is a limited number but the buying mindset is always intensified and sharpened by a belief in scarcity and urgency well urgency and scarcity go together nothing says well i could come back and maybe buy it tomorrow like shelves full of product whether that's real shelves in the bricks and mortar context or more likely some visualization of product or resource availability in the online context so urgency driven a little bit by the belief that there might not be anything there tomorrow we're in a world where prices are high and high prices are beginning higher prices and we are rapidly flipping into a world where because of all that consumers might be ditching expensive offerings looking for bargains changing their attitudes towards spending money i expect merchants and other players in digital commerce to pivot pretty quickly to an approach that emphasizes urgency and scarcity in an effort to preserve margins and to keep customers close.
1: Commerce Code is a weekly podcast of the Digital Commerce Alliance, the premier trade association advancing the future of commerce. Check out our website at digcomall.org. Help us grow Commerce Code by sharing it with your colleagues and old friends from business school. And rate Commerce Code on your podcast app, We'd love your feedback and topic ideas. Just drop Dan Carell an email. You can reach him at dan at digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great Friday and a great weekend.